Hey everyone, what's going on? How you doing? I love this little table. I'm gonna use this as my table for my, my hot water. My name's Josh Williams. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be in the season of Lent with y'all. Um, it's gonna be a good time, I think, this season of Lent together. Praying together, uh, being in spaces together, community dinners together. The Lord is on the move, and I'm so grateful for that. And I hope that you feel that too. I think definitely if you've been uh, through some of our gatherings, even as we've had uh, Robin share and just some of our extended times of worship even on Sundays, I feel like there's uh, something really good happening in our community as we just get to experience more of God. I want to uh, share a little bit of a story uh, that happened in December for me. December was kind of a rough month. Uh, there were some times uh, that I was going to try to get away, and I had this whole like plan for like what I was going to do to really get some rest that didn't happen. Uh, and then one thing that was really interesting was I looked at my calendar, probably after Christmas sometime, I'm like, wait, what? Why did I plan this? And I had planned uh, three to five days to be with one of uh, my overseas mission uh, partners. Uh, he was coming into uh, America, and so I was like, I'm going to go, you know, my hometown's Indianapolis. I was going to go uh, into Chicago, do some time in Indianapolis, helping this person raise funds. I was very excited about when I planned it, when I saw those dates, when I saw the time commitment, when I saw that I like, didn't really have housing planned in Chicago, people I had talked to, I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is not gonna go well. And so I actually uh, had to kind of say to uh, the people that were uh, working with me, I, I just can't do this. Like, I'm sorry, yikes, I can't, I have to just cancel on this. Uh, for me, it was like a step of growth to like say like, I can't do something to say, you know, someone's happy for that. Um, to say like, I, I'm, I feel bad about this, but I just, I can't do it. And my friend, that uh, is overseas was like, that's totally fine, I get it. Um, he was in America for uh, probably four or five weeks. My American partners, a little icier, they were not as happy about that. You know, no direct responses to the email, just sort of like, mm-hmm, I'm like, oh, that feels bad. Um, but one thing that, that happened was we were trying to raise money and support for this uh, partner and this ministry. And this week was gonna be a really critical week in doing that. But there were other weeks, right? And there were other people and other churches, and other places where money should have come. And so I was so uh, looking forward to the good report, right? Of like what would come in, of course, because even if I can't do something, right, there could be other people that would, would you know, uh, make an impact. And one of the things that I saw, I think, oops, there we go, was this number, this number of zero. When I asked for like the good report, they're like, actually, there's like nothing that's come in. I'm like, wait, when you say nothing, you mean like some thousands of dollars, right, and nothing, right? No, it was just nothing, it was just this zero. And so I was a little bit uh, anxious. The heart rate went up a little bit. And I realized something too, because it wasn't just a zero that represented uh, what they had brought in, which was nothing, right? But I realized something, uh, they shared an, another amount that they really needed for a pre-existing commitment that they had actually already made. And it was something they wanted to pay off at the end of that month. And they were really hoping that like, it could happen, that they could like, meet that need and that commitment. And as I thought about that number, you know, like when someone's like, hey, guess the number. Like, what's the number I'm guessing? I'm like, there was another number that was familiar to that number, which was a surprise kind of gift that came in for Tina and me, kind of a bonus of sorts. And wouldn't you know, it was the same number, like the number of the need they had and the number that had come in for us and I was like, yikes, this is making me feel a little uncomfortable. Like, I don't like how close these numbers are to each other. It's almost as if, like, maybe I should, like, give that. Like, I, I didn't like that at all. 
And I started to think, well, okay, let me just kind of feel my feelings. Okay, I'm feeling a little nervous. Like, could I give this? I kind of feeling a little bit protective. A little bit like, well, I mean, I don't want to feel like that week was what I could have raised, so now I have to do this. That doesn't feel good to me. So I'm trying to work the, the emotions. But at the end of the day, those numbers are pretty similar, right? They're basically exactly the same. And I had this real reluctance to do anything about it. Like, there was a PayPal link I can check to see if any gifts had come in. I was like, press, press. Like, someone else is going like, to, like, give something, right? Like, even just a portion of it. Nothing. This was still the number, y'all. And I realized, like, this might have to be me. And, and, and a verse came to my mind. Maybe it's coming to your mind as you're thinking about giving, generosity, the cost that it is when you have people in your life that are asking for resources. And it was this verse. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How many people maybe have heard this verse? I'm not going to make you kind of keep your hand raised, but maybe like in the context of like a giving campaign, like maybe like a building campaign, like specifically a building campaign that's a little bit overdue, like they really desperately need something. So this verse came to mind for me, and I was like, oh shoot. What's happening? I don't like this. And I wondered about this because I'm like, you know, I see the reluctantly. I was very familiar with that word. But then there was that word cheerful. And I'm like, I'm not cheerful reading this verse. Like, not at all. Like, it's not a cheerful thing for me. And I thought about this verse. I was like, how many times do people read this? And they're like, you know what? Now I am cheerful. Versus thinking like, no, I'm still reluctant. And now I feel more shamed that I should be cheerful, right? Am I just, is this just me or anyone else, right? And I'm like, this doesn't, this isn't helping me, this verse. But uh, at the end of the day, I really felt like, okay, I got to let go of something. And honestly, I, don't, I never made the move to cheerful, just going to be honest. I just stayed with reluctant, but like moved forward. And sometimes that's all you can do. So there was like a reluctance, moving forward, a little bit of shame, a little bit of like, I guess I'm going to do this. And a sense, again, that this wasn't like a sacrificial thing. It was actually something that came in that I didn't expect. So it was just giving away something that I didn't really think I was going to have anyway. And that's my like Lenten confession for you. Like I was holding on to this gift when it actually really was a gift. This is my story. I was not a cheerful giver. Lenten confession. I was quite reluctant. Maybe that connects with some of y'all, even in this season where you're in your second Sunday of Lent. I don't know what kind of commitments you've made, but maybe you're sort of reluctant, like not chocolate eaters right now. You're like, oh, or maybe like there's some commitments you've made, some things you know the Lord's called you to do. And you're just like, I don't know where my yes is right now and you're not that cheerful. Well, here's what I'm hoping for, is by the end of the talk, you would know that that cheer that's in that passage really comes from the power of God, not from our own morality, not from our own sense of just doing better. That cheer is actually, I think, part of the joy of the Lord, and we can ask God for it, and we can even ask God to do that, even if we are reluctant in our gift, we can ask God, but God, can you like kind of retroactively give me some joy, or give me some joy about that moment? That's what I want you guys to really hear at the end of the day. We can ask the Lord for joy when it comes to cost. We can ask the Lord for joy when it comes to sacrifice. The cheer doesn't have to be our manufactured cheer. It can be God's responsibility to give us that. I'm going to say that one more time. It doesn't have to be our manufactured cheer, but it can be God's responsibility as a loving parent for us to give us joy. So our cost that we bear, the commitments we make, the yeses we give, and yes, even sometimes the finances we give away can actually be done with a kind of joy. 
Let me pray for us before we continue. God, we're asking for that, for your spirit to bring a kind of joy that's only from you. A kind of yes that can only be from you because of the kinds of things it's going to bring up in us. A kind of desire and goodness when we're called to commit. Lord, have your way in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called Walking with Jesus. We're just going through the book of Mark, starting in chapter 10. We're going to make it through a story in 11 and then finish in 16. And we're preparing for the cross of Good Friday, but also looking at how there are these smaller crosses along the way, actually littered throughout Mark 10, other obstacles that the followers of Jesus have to this good kingdom life, other things that are, are, are hard about following Jesus. But God says through the person of Jesus that there's a way that you can move forward still in it all. Last week, you talked about how the kingdom belongs to kids, kids that have no status, kids that are just marked by dependence, and even disciples that try to say, no, the kids can't come. Jesus says, this is who the kingdom is for. You actually have to become like a kid to experience God's kingdom. And now we're going to interact with someone very different. It's the next verse, but it's someone very different than a child. It's someone who has a lot of status of his own. This is in Mark 10, verses 17 through 22, if you want to follow along. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. I saw something new this time reading and saying this passage I hadn't seen before. This man has the right posture. If you were with us in Lent, we talked about postures of humility, right? Kneeling down, falling on his face, saying before Jesus these different things. He had the right posture. He thought he had the right language. Good teacher, though Jesus kind of shades him for that, right? And he had the right behavior. Yeah, I've done all those things since I was a little boy. Right posture, right language, right behavior. But he was so far so far from the kingdom. Jesus had compassion for him. Jesus gave him a way forward. Go, sell all that you have. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me, follow Jesus. And this man walked away sad because he had great wealth. We don't see cheer there. We don't see joy. We see sadness named. And remember last week, these kids had nothing. The kids that were in front of Jesus, only dependence, no status. But this man, this man has so much, right worship posture, right behavior. He's even posturing for that right title for Jesus. But he has something hidden, a hidden treasure, which usually might sound like a good thing, but it's not here. It's hidden riches. He doesn't want to give up. Unseen baggage. I don't know how much he had those riches on display on his clothes, but he wasn't ready to turn away from something he knew he had inwardly. 
He wasn't ready to turn wealth that may have been invisible into obedience that would have really looked like something. It would have been embodied, involving his walk, involving what he grabbed, involving him selling in the market. It would have been tactile. You could have seen it, recorded it, known it was happening. Go back to your house, sell everything, give it to the poor, then come, follow the person of Jesus. Where posture and positioning failed the man, his real tangible actions would have saved him. And I want to ask you today, where do you have the right posture? Where do you have the right position? Maybe even the right language, or so you think. But you know there's some places where you need to be obedient to the cost of the words of Jesus. You know there's some things that are in your life where you need to get to yes, or maybe you need to get to no. What is the cost you're unwilling to pay? This cost of commitment. That's part of what we see as Mark continues. As Jesus does these amazing things, there's wonder, there's signs, there's beauty, but there's also increasing cost to follow him. You know, for many, it is money. Not being able to give up that rat race for more, 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 more to spend, but also more just to have, to feel secure. But it's not just money, right? For many, it's sex. We've had some good conversations as the, the queer group uh, kind of meeting at ECV saying, this isn't just a thing about sexuality. This is about sex, period. Right? Where are we focusing too much on that? Shamed and not focusing enough on it. Where are we not even in touch with our bodies, these gifts that God has given us? Where are we just saying, we're going to keep that as far away as we can? Or maybe in a kind of hoarding spirit saying, I want too much of this. Maybe it's that for some of us. Maybe for many, it's reputation. What it means that you're valuing your image, your posturing, your IG, your TikTok, your Facebook. Did I cover the generations? Your photo album. Hey, there's some of us that still do that. Maybe it's even publicly aligning yourself faith-wise. Being like, okay, I know I'm here right now because you all are here right now as churchgoers. But you're like, but don't call me a Christian. Don't call me a churchgoer, and definitely don't call me a church leader. Those people are responsible for some things, and we see them on the news. Never that. Maybe there's some cost attached to each of those things, money, sex, reputation, even who we say we are regarding faith. I wonder if the question for us is, where are we rich and in need of selling some things? Where are we rich and full and we need to be emptied? emptied out in this Lenten season so we can be filled with something completely different, the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing through the Spirit of God. Good teacher? No. Only God is good. Where do we need that good Spirit to fill us again after we've emptied ourselves of some things that we're just too rich in right now? Where is that for you? The passage continues. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Reading that passage gave me some hope. Maybe cheerful giving isn't possible without God. 
But maybe with God, that kind of generosity, cost pain, cost bearing, maybe it's possible. Jesus is back. He's back with those ones he just rebuked moments before. The ones, remember the disciples that were saying, kids, you know, you can't get close to them. Jesus, come on. But remember, he was trying to teach them how to be simple, dependent on God and nothing else, specifically not their status, specifically not what makes them rich in the eyes of the world. And what does Jesus say to those disciples? How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Just after he said the kingdom of God belongs to children. That you have to become like a child to enter. Now, I think in this passage, Jesus really is centering money. It is, I think, you can read riches as other things, and we will. But I think he is talking about money. I think he's talking about real wealth this man has and that we have. And I don't know if you've thought of this recently, kind of your, your own money. Maybe you've thought about it quite recently. But many of us, no matter how much we're struggling, dealing with poverty, truly, many of us in this room are richer than most people in human history. A salary of just 34000 puts us in the top 1% of the global elite. I don't know when you look at your like, paycheck if you're thinking that way. Yeah, I'm 1% today. Or no, I'm not, but I want to be. But that number is maybe lower than you thought it was. Do we hold on to our money so tightly that we could never spare some for someone's financial help? Do we give regularly to important causes, including the work of the church? Do we give generously to the point where you notice the cost of your generosity? Remember my story? Again, Lenten confession. That was a gift that could come in and come out. That wasn't even generous giving, where we would notice the cost. I noticed the discomfort, but that came from my disordered relationship to money. Cost and struggling, genuine struggle, that's, that's different but it still could be something we're called to. You know, like this passage, do we sell everything to the poor? Y'all ever talk back to the Bible? I do this sometimes. Or I'm like, Jesus, really? Like everything? Everything. E everything? E everything. And then I start to not talk about me, because that is easy, right? And other, like, come on, Jesus. Like, couldn't you have said like half or like these other numbers or like, a lot, because no one's going to do everything. Like, we're Americans. Come on. You, you should have said that better, right? For our own discipleship. I, I'm just helping you, Jesus, right? Giving you some pointers. But I think Jesus knew what he was doing, because that everything is challenging, because what does it represent? All we have, all we're holding on to, riches down to the last drop, and Jesus says, give it all to me. Give everything, sell it to the poor, and then you can come, follow me, says Jesus. The Lord says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I do think that rich, yes, means finances, but also not just that. It's anything that we hold on so tightly that it's what makes us feel free, feel whole, feel known we would maybe walk away sad if it was taken from us. When we hold on to our riches, whatever they are for us, we're already full. When we hold on to our riches, we're already satisfied. 
We're full to the point where we can't hunger. We can't thirst for righteousness and be satisfied, as the Beatitude says. We're actually stuffed. We have a, a tummy ache, as my daughters often tell me when they've had their share of sweets, a little bit too much. I think this is why Jesus says it's so hard. When you have a cup that's full and you try to pour into it, water just spills over. When you have an empty cup, you can go pour it as high as you want, as low as you want. It fills. And when it's overflowing, it's a whole different image. Filled to overflowing out of goodness. Not so stuffed that it, the water couldn't even make it down. Jesus' answer is so telling to that question, who then can be saved? And it says, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus knows something. God can move the human heart. God can motivate the human heart to a kind of cost-bearing. Can, can move the human heart to actually move us to desire sacrifice, to give with generosity, to actually move beyond posturing and positioning, and instead move into concrete, tangible action, starting with ourselves. Remember, with just us, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. How is God challenging you to move? How is God challenging you to act, to respond to this word with an action, a risk, a choice, all to pay a cost that is a sincere yes to follow Jesus? I remember when I first met Robin, and the gathering was a small prayer gathering. And I remember where I was in my own life, wondering what my life would entail, what I would do. I really didn't know. I was a grad student. I just joined ECV about a year before. And I had wondered, maybe I'd be a pastor. But no, that's that church leader thing. There was something in my heart where I said, I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to make mistakes that will cost more than just me, but other folks that I'm trying to help and to serve. And I said, if that's what a pastor means, then I don't want it. I can be a churchgoer. I can help out. Everyone loves a good church volunteer, right? But to be a pastor, to have that responsibility, I just said no. And as Robin and a few other people laid their hands on me and prayed, not knowing me at all, this is what they said. You're so, so concerned about hurting people. It's holding you back from offering a gift that you do have. And you're so torn up and there's pain. And guess what? That pain is not going to go away. It's not. And guess what? You will hurt people. But there's something God is doing inside of you that if you don't use this, you'll have a kind of loss for anyone that would have been served and also for you to come alive to who you truly are. Turn down the volume of fear and turn up the volume of peace and holding on to God. And I wept because it was exactly the thing I was afraid of. It was exactly why I wasn't saying yes to bear that cost. And Robin just named it specifically, straightforwardly. Didn't sugarcoat it. Said that's what's going to happen. And it's worth it. 
every bit. And it's true. The bad things of that and the good things. But that's what paying a cost is. And I think Jesus calls it worship. Peter, who sometimes says some foolish things, says something a little bit less foolish this time. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. In the vineyard, we're a kingdom movement. We think about the kingdom coming now and not yet. But here we see something very powerful, right? In this present age, here's what you're going to get. In this present age, here's the family that you'll have. And Peter speaks the truth about his own posture. I know you rebuked me just a second ago about this kids, and I, I am sorry for that. But, like, we've left everything. We've left everything and everyone things that define them. The fishermen left their boats, the sons left their father, the tax collector left their schemes, the zealot left their cause. To board a new adventure, to become a new kind of family, to get into some good trouble, different schemes, to join a true revolution. That's the exchange they made. But that adventure, this new family, this kingdom, good trouble, this revolution, it does cost us. You saw that part, just like snuck in there. And persecutions. Who caught that? I did. We lose things, home, siblings, parents, children, fields, our security, our kin, even our livelihood. But we gain it all too. Because there's this new kingdom order that it says at the end that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Just one more story before we wrap up. There's a woman here at the church. She was here with us a few months ago, Audrey Lynn, and I think about her story a lot. As someone who thought she was going to be in New Haven, serving the poor and marginalized here, and found kind of comfort in that, found a community, loved being a part of ECV. It was like, yes, I can see how my life will develop from here. And then she had a dream in the night of something that could only mean one thing, that she would need to go back to Taiwan, the land of her people. And she left obediently as a single woman, not knowing what would happen. But in her journey there, and she shared some of this with us, she found her husband. She got connected to different countries, if you know that story. Australia somehow randomly is on her radar. And now when she visits on furlough, when she's not in Taiwan, she has her choice of places to be. Do we go back to Australia? Do we go to Chicago, where we have family and friends? Do we go to Denver? Do we go to New Haven? Who do we stay with? Her life is so abundant with new homes, but her life was marked by a real kind of sacrifice and cost and not knowing what would happen next. And do you think that story I just told you is like kind of wrapped up and saying, and now I feel great about everything. No, there's new persecution. There's fresh cost, but she has a story of God's faithfulness to her. What's yours? Your story of God's faithfulness to you. Your story of a cost that you've either paid but you're regretting it right now and you wonder if it was worth it. Your story of a cost you know you're on the cusp of. Consider the cost 
Empty yourself now. Trust God to reorder the line in your favor. To reorder that line in your life to what really matters. Not to cling to riches, but to empty yourself to be filled. There's an exhortation here. Don't walk away sad when you have an offer of joy, of true joy. And that offer is present right here, right now. That offer of joy is present here for any of the costs that you're considering. And let me just say something, y'all. I love when Robin comes. I hear a lot of prophecy (laughs) when he comes. I hear a lot of prophetic words. And I heard some of yours. And I also know some of you. And I've heard calls to cost. Cost to be pastors. Yeah, some people getting that word. Church planters even. Some costs said, join a group that might make you feel like, ah, you're not ready for that, but you have gifts to serve. Open up your home, because in doing that, you're going to create a new kind of family. Yes, you haven't done it for years, but open it up. Pursue that new skill set. Think about the job that you have. Are you pleased with it? If not, why aren't you talking to your Father in Heaven about that? I heard cost that people were called to. And I wonder if there's something God wants us to do today. To actually respond. Not as posture or as position, but actively saying, yes, there is a cost that I'm considering right now. And I want to say that in community and to receive help. And I think there's power today Power for us to be strengthened as we say that together as a community. Power from the Lord to hold us up as we're considering even just the cost of being here right now in these seats. I think the Lord wants to even speak and affirm that. So what I'm going to do next is just ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to be present with us. Then I'm going to ask those of you that feel like you're experiencing a call to cost. You won't have to say what it is. Maybe it's some of the things I mentioned, but you don't have to specify. I want to ask you to stand to receive prayer from people around you and to also experience God. We're going to go to a time of worship, and we'll have Robin also minister, kind of helping us navigate those costs. For me, uh, yes, it's good to have a prophet around for maybe some times that are easy, but I also think it's really good to have one around when you're wondering, is this worth the cost? <laughs> They can speak encouragement and life. So the worship team can come up. I just invite you to relax as much as you can relax when you're thinking about maybe a cost. (laughs) But hey, I think it's possible to dial down, to sink into God's love for you and for us. I want you to breathe, to remember to breathe. You're alive, you're here. Your positioning, your posture might not matter as much as you think, but decisions, choices, being active, even embodied, does. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come with your sweet presence, the presence that assures us 
and gives us hope. I see for some there's fear right now. And just like someone told me, I'm going to ask for that fear to be turned down and for the love of God and the hope of the Spirit to be turned up, for peace to be turned up. We say, fear be gone in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Help give people a sense that you're with them as they consider a kind of cost for their very lives, cost for their families, cost for what they do, for how they're known, maybe for what they have. Be with them right now. Holy Spirit, be with them right now. Bring your peace. I just ask right now, if you have a a cost you've identified, you won't have to say what it is, but just a cost you've identified that you want to say in this community, yes, there's a cost that I'm called to right now, that I want to acknowledge publicly with my body to stand up and to move. I want to encourage you to do that, to stand up, just acknowledge that there's a cost that the Lord is calling you to. There's something he's saying over your life that maybe actually causes quite fear and a lot of trepidation. But I want us to hold one another in this room that we can see one another. I just want to give you a few more seconds if there's other people that feel like there's a cost God's asking them to bear in this season. Maybe it's specific to Lent. Maybe it's something that you know you've been holding on to. And as people stand, I just want to ask for the Holy Spirit to come to recognize the work that's happening here. As people say, yes. And if you're a yes to that, again, just stand, pop to your feet. Because the Lord is calling our community to cost. The Lord is calling individuals here to cost. It's all of us but there's some people who are feeling it in a particular way. We want to mark that. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to come to bless the work that God is doing right now. We say, with man, there's so much that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We say in our own best effort, we would walk away sad. But we say for these ones, we want their lives to be marked with joy. Release your joy, God. Release your joy over these ones right now. And I want to invite people that are comfortable, if you see folks, just to stretch a hand, maybe even put your hand on them, you can ask. Because I think some people here are experiencing God's power. They're experiencing God's power and His presence. More Holy Spirit. More of your power. And we as a body, we have faith together. Just trust that we can give to one another. And so I, I want us to, to do that. And even some of the roots that just came in, if you're comfortable, I'd love for you to see an adult that's standing. Just maybe put your hand. Just pray. I know you guys learned this at the retreat. I want us to stay in this posture. 
We're going to have a few more words for other folk that might be responding to different things the Spirit's doing. But if you're around these folks, I just encourage you to actually come around them and to pray. And I know some of you, you got words this uh, a few few days that you're called to pray in a new way. I see one person doing it. Thank you. But for others, I just encourage you to come around them. Right now, we're just going to have a few more words. It's just a way to incorporate more things that the Spirit is up to and doing. And then we're going to have a, a time of prayer ministry on this side. If you're a prayer minister, you can come to the front. And also, uh, we'll have a time of worship to just continue our response.